Well, we're, we're going to have a uh, solo right now um, from Jill Marie, and I want you to uh, pay special attention to this solo because this solo is also the theme of my sermon today. So let's welcome Jill Marie as she sings.
Well, how many of you recognize that song? Cindy Lauper version or Phil Collins version? And um, that's the title of my sermon today, True Colors. And the song, as you heard, is really speaking about somebody who's struggling in the world, the difficulties that they're facing in their circumstances are pressurizing them and they feel confined by them. But also not just the pressures in the circumstances that they face, there's also some dark clouds that they're facing on the inside of their lives, on the inside of who they are. And the singer is encouraging them that despite these clouds and despite these circumstances, it's an opportunity for who they really are to shine out beautiful nature like a rainbow. And I want to talk about this a little bit and how it affects our Christian lives today. You know, this phrase, true colors, I looked it up to find out what the definition was. When we use this phrase, oh, she showed her true colors there. He showed his true colors then. And uh, the definitions are things like letting others see what you're really like. Or someone's true hidden nature is appearing for all to see. Now, this phrase, your true colors, we can use that in a positive way or a negative way. We might say, you know, under pressure, she really showed her true colors about what a courageous woman she was. She showed her true colors in that situation. Or during that business meeting, he erupted in fury, showing his true colors. We thought he was a quiet, nice guy till he didn't get what he wanted in the meeting, got angry, saw his true colors. So these are the types of things that we're talking about. But then that leads us to the question, well, what are your true colors that they should shine out from you like a rainbow? We're talking about identity here this morning. And identity is such an important subject, especially in today's whirlwind uh, politics, society. People are struggling to find out, well, who am I and how should I be authentic to whoever I am? And people are looking to identify with anything and almost everything uh, to try and find a sense of cohesion in their life, a sense of purpose, and a sense of authentic self-expression. I mean, I mean we, we've just had a big vote, haven't we? Uh, should we stay or should we go from Europe? And it's amazing how people identified, I mean, I'm not, I don't want any hands here today because I don't want any violence, but I wonder how many remainers we have here this morning, and I wonder how many leavers we had this morning. I mean, put aside the politics of this, that, or the other, but isn't it amazing how strongly people identified emotionally with these different positions over the last few weeks? I mean, if someone comes up to the street and asks me, are you a Remainer or are you a Lever? I say, oh, what about you? <laughs> I'm a Remainer, me too. I don't know what's the point. But this, this strength of identity, and people are looking to identify passionately with, with not just political things, but religious or creeds or sexuality. This is who I am. I want to express who I am. I want to be accepted for who I am. Well, that begs the question, accepting is important, but it begs the question, well, who are you? 
In the song, it's all about the person, despite the clouds on the inside and the pressures on the outside, it's all about that person being encouraged to let their colors, their true colors, who they really are, the authentic them, shine through like a rainbow, the song goes. So I thought, well, what does it mean, like a rainbow? So I thought I would look up a definition on what a rainbow is. And um, I began with some scientific definitions, and then I found a children's website, which made sense to me. So I'm going to read that to you. Have you ever seen a rainbow? Sometimes when the sun is shining and it's rainy somewhere, at the same time, you can see a rainbow. It's a huge arch of colors in the sky. It's caused by the light from the sun being broken up by water droplets in the atmosphere. The sunlight is white, but the water droplets break it down into seven colors. And so the picture here is of the fact that the light of the sun is shining, but when the rain comes and the sun shines at the same time, that light is broken down into different components. You see the true nature of that white light. And that's as far as I'm going scientifically. Now, one of the points I want to make straight away is that you only see a rainbow when it rains. And this is important for us because what we're going to see and what the song was, uh, I suppose, illustrating is that the true you that God made you to be shines at its most colorful during the rainy seasons, during the rain on the outside or when the clouds are a bit dark on the inside. That's when the true you that God has made you to be, that's the time when it should shine brightly, confidently, like a rainbow to illuminate the darkness that you're facing or the struggles that are inside. Well, what is the true you if you're a Christian here today? What's your true character? What, what, what is this rainbow that should be shining out from you? Well, the Bible makes it plain and encourages and tells us that the major problem of the human race today is in the heart of human beings. The heart of the trouble is trouble in the heart. And God knew this from olden days and in the Old Testament. He knew that in order for his people to shine brightly like a rainbow, he was going to have to take out the old heart that simply can't produce what it's meant to produce because it's fallen and broken and instead give a heart transplant, a new heart, a brand new you that was the you that God always intended you to be. Take out the old heart and put in a brand new heart that will bring forth the rainbows of God's light and love in your life. You say, we've got a scripture for that? Of course. If we go to Ezekiel chapter 36 and 25, we have Ezekiel prophesying about what God was going to do in Jesus when he sent his own son. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, prophecy about you and I. Ezekiel 36 verse 25. Listen to this. God speaking. I will sprinkle 
clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness, and from all your idols I will clean you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart, a soft heart. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to be careful to obey my rules. God is saying there's an old you, but there can be a new you. And if you have put your trust in Jesus as your saviour, if you know that he died for you on the cross and died to take your sins away, and has forgiven you, and you believe that he's raised from the dead and at the right hand of the Father praying for you right now, then not only are your sins forgiven, but guess what? You have been given a new heart. You are born again, and the rest of your life, the Christian walk, is simply a process of self-discovery. Jesus When he came, he was sent by the Father. The Word who was God came to earth and became flesh, fully human, fully God. And uh, at the beginning of John's Gospel, John 1.11, the apostle explains what was going on. He said, Jesus, or he, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. There is a new birth here, a spiritual birth, not the human birth that brought us into this earth via our mother, but a second birth, a born-again person that God birthed spiritually by giving them this new heart that Ezekiel was talking about. Later on in John's Gospel, John is speaking to a great religious teacher, Nicodemus, who is struggling to understand how somebody can have a new heart and be born again. And Jesus answers Nicodemus in John 3, 3, and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Then finally, Peter, speaking to Christians, reminding them that the greatest miracle that has taken place in their lives has taken place on the inside. The old heart has gone. The new heart has been placed. They are born again. 1 Peter 1.23, since you have been born again... Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is as grass, and its glory like the glory of the field. The grass withers, and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. You see, we need to get into touch 
with something that has happened to us if we are Christians today. We have been born naturally, but if we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have even more powerfully been born supernaturally. Let me tell you something. If you are born again today in this place or watching on the internet, that is a greater manifestation of God's power than the first time when you were physically born. The greatest miracle that can happen to any individual on planet Earth is that they are born again. That their old heart of sin that is broken and can't function as it was intended to function by God has been removed and a new heart transplant has taken place. Something genuine, real, supernatural has taken place in the deepest part of your life. You are not the person that you were. You are born all over again. And that is where your rainbow should shine from. You say, well, well what is this like? Well, I remember an illustration as a young boy, I was brought up in the Yorkshire Dales, and I went to a local village school, a very small village school. It was a wonderful Church of England school, and the headmaster, Mr. Russian, was a very godly man. In fact, he was so godly that I was convinced that somewhere down the line, he must have been related to Jesus' family. <laughs> I mean, he even had a beard like Jesus. He taught about Jesus. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. Well, I was a good boy in those days, if I say so myself, but there was one occasion when I was, let us say, unkind in the playground, we'll leave it at that, unkind in the playground. And so a teacher grabbed hold of me and said, you're going to Mr. Rushton's office, and marched me there, plonked me outside and said, wait here till he comes. So I'm outside the headmaster, I've done something unkind in the playground, and I'm thinking, oh no. He's going to tell me what a rotten person I am, what a nasty person I am, unkind person, this is who I am, and this is going to be awful. Well, Mr. Russian turned up, didn't even look at me, just passed me, said, this way, Bruce. Walked in, sat behind his desk, I stood before his desk. I thought, here we go, what a nasty person I am. He looked at me, not with anger, but with perplexion, concern, and he said this to me. Bruce, what just happened in the playground, that's not who you are. The Bruce that I know is kind, considerate, friendly, and caring. The Bruce that was out there, that's not the Bruce that I know, that's not the Bruce that you are, son. Now go off, I never want to see that again. Well, it had such a tremendous influence on that seven or eight-year-old boy that he's still talking about it today. Why? Because he saw through my unkind actions and the way I was acting at that moment, he saw through that. He didn't stop at that and say, this is what defines you, but he looked through my unkindness because he saw that there was somebody in there that was better than that. That's who he spoke to. That's who he appealed to. And it made a big difference to the rest of my life. Well, guess what? God is speaking to you today in a similar manner, if you're a Christian in the house today. He is looking through 
the storms that are pressurizing you on the outside, real storms. He is looking through the dark clouds that can sometimes plague us inside, our bad attitudes, our bad actions, our ungodly responses, etc., etc. The things that often we define ourselves off. He's looking right through the clouds, the darkness, to the core being of who you are. And he's saying, you're not this person. I've made you a new creation I've put a new nature and a new heart within you and I'm speaking to the you that is really you. I'm speaking to the you that I've made you into and I'm calling you to come forth, cast off this darkness. It's not you, son. It's not you, daughter. Let the true colours of what I've placed inside you in salvation begin to shine like a rainbow in you and through you. You say, well, what, what are these characteristics of my new nature? Who am I and how should I act to, to demonstrate that I am a child of God? Who is the real me? Well, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I can point you in some directions. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, speaks about what we call the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And it comes after the works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are just all the things that the old you got involved with to make life work. And the, and the fruit of the Spirit is the new you that God has placed inside you, that is the authentic you, that is when you dig deep, deep, deep down into who you are and you say, who am I, what's my identity, what are my values, you will find the fruit of the Holy Spirit is who you really are, whether you know it or not. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these, there is no such law. Now, we need to unpackage these fruits, perhaps at another time, because many people don't even know what these fruit mean. They think patience. Well, I, well, I can't even stand in a line at McDonald's to get a cheeseburger without getting annoyed. We're not talking about... These things are profound characters of, characteristics of the new nature. So, for example, when we talk about patience, it means endurance. It means strength to be able to go through anything with God and retain your integrity. How many need a bit of that in their lives? An endurance, a never ever giving up. Well, do you know, you say, I give up all the time. I'm telling you, deep down inside you, there's a part of your being that God has put in your new nature that when you tune into it, you will never give up. You will always trust God and you will always go over. You will never remain under. If you can tune in to who you really are and let that rainbow light shine. The word kindness is an attitude. It's a positive attitude to everybody around you whether they like you or not. The word good, goodness is actually a generosity. It's a heart that's open to God and a heart that's open to people. You say, I'm, I'm not like that. I say, you might not be acting like that, but this is what I'm telling you. Deep down, that's who you are. And when you let these things begin to rise and shine, you will feel authentic. You will feel, you will feel that, that you understand why you're here and what God has called you to do. You know, 
as I'm speaking these things, I could have gone to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is. And it talks about what love is and what love isn't. These two are a description of the new nature. And you might think, well, even the ones you've mentioned, well, I, I, don't, I don't think I'm like that. I, I've barely changed or I'm struggling. When, when the rain comes on the outside, I, uh, I, I don't project a rainbow against its backdrop. I just get soaked. When the dark clouds arise on the inside of my character, the dark thoughts, the dark attitudes, the, 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 the dark words come from me, I, I don't sense a rainbow dispelling the darkness. I feel controlled by these powers that seem to rage within me. Well, I'm here to help you today to, to, to realize that there's something powerful deep down inside you that if you put the right environment in, it will grow. Remember, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is fruit. A good fruit tree grows if it's pruned and if it's given the right environment and the fruit will come naturally. You see, when the headmaster spoke to me that day, he spoke to me as he really knew me. He didn't speak to me according to the uh, unkind actions that I'd just done. I've said God is doing the same today. He's not speaking to, addressing your failures, your anger, your bad attitude, your backsliddenness or whatever you might be struggling with or your, your, your failure to deal with the pressures of life in a godly way. He's not speaking to those things. He's speaking through those things to something of value that is placed within your heart, your new nature. And he distinguishes between who you were and who you are. And often in the New Testament, you will find the authors addressing Christians and saying, why are you still acting like you were when you had the old dysfunctional heart? Why are you still acting like that? Your new heart is not like that. Why don't you act according to your new nature? I'm going to read two passages from Paul. And in these two passages, you're going to hear him addressing Christians, and he's going to be saying to you, why are you acting just like the ungodly? And he's going to, going to say, you like this, you like the other. But in each of these passages, he's going to go, why are you acting like that? Because that's not who you are anymore. Okay? Look for the bit which is, you're not like this anymore, even if you're still acting like it. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, Paul speaking, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by our Spirit of God. You see, people were still struggling in some of these areas, but Paul was saying, you, he didn't say, this is who you are, this is your identity, this is your nature, you rotten people. He didn't say that. He said, you struggled with these things, you were these things, but you're not anymore. Something has happened deep down on the inside, your identity has been changed. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. 
and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually impure or immoral or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. Can you see that? He's addressing Christians that haven't yet woken up to what has taken place in their lives. You see, what do you mean, woken up to taking place things in their lives? Well, I spoke about the fact that we need to be born again. And that Jesus said to Nicodemus, who didn't understand, he said, look, you're born twice. You're born once when your mother's waters break. You're born naturally, born of water. Secondly, you must also be born of spirit, spiritual birth. And when we look at the new birth, being born again, you can parallel it with your first natural birth. What do you mean? Well, let me put it like this. When a new uh, baby is born, it doesn't know much about itself. It doesn't have much self-awareness. It doesn't understand who it is. It doesn't understand much about himself or herself or the world around it. That baby just comes out and it's in a bit of a daze. I mean, a baby doesn't pop out and go, Hi, everybody. My name's Bruce. I've been waiting to meet you for nine months. I know exactly who I am, thank you very much. I know what I'm going to do. I'm a winner, not a loser. And bring it on, world. A baby doesn't act like that. Well, not one I've met. A baby comes out... It doesn't know who it is. It doesn't know what capacities it has. It doesn't know any of these things. Isn't it true that there is a psychological as well as physical development of that child? At various ages of a, a proper development of a child, its, uh, its self-awareness grows, understands who he or she is more, begins to have an awareness of the world around them and the people around them. That takes time, doesn't it? Well, that is exactly parallel to what it's like when you're born again. And, and Paul, when he speaks to the Corinthians, he addresses them as babies, doesn't he? He says, you know, I, I, I came to you, but all I could give you was milk. Spiritual milk. Why? Because you're spiritual babies. Now, there's nothing wrong with having milk when you're a baby. But when you're an adult, you don't want to be sucking your mother's breast, do you? Highly inappropriate. You, you hope that you've moved on. Well, what Paul was saying, he didn't have milk bottles in those days. He said, I've come to you. You should be chewing on steak right now, the steak of the kingdom. But you're still sucking your mother's breast. No, it is possible for a Christian to have an arrested spiritual development. In other words, there are some baby Christians that have been born again for months, years, and decades, still acting like babies, 
low self-awareness of what God's done in their life, low self-cooperation with the things of the Spirit. It's almost, when you meet some of these Christians, not here today, of course, but it's almost, when you meet some of these Christians, they're barely, you can barely see that they're born again. You know what I'm talking about? Because I can talk about rainbows all day, which I will, but you might say, well, I don't see much rainbows and true colors of my new nature in my life. I'm all over the place. Or you might say, well, I don't see much in other Christians either. In fact, you hear people say, you know, I've got nicer non-Christians that I know than Christians. Well, even for us to say that says there's something wrong. What's wrong? People are not realizing that they are to mature as believers. And that maturity, the Christian walk is simply a process of self-discovery. Discovering who God has remade you to be. The person he always wanted to be, the person you deep, deep down always wanted to be, is already there inside you. Question is, is it in baby form? Or is it growing, maturing, and displaying, and, uh, and, and releasing itself in your life and in your circumstances. Paul says that, well, uh, um, Peter said that you have been born again by the seed of God. So again, God has placed a seed in you. But that seed is not meant to remain a seed. Your born again nature is a seed. It's not meant to remain a seed. But given the, the, the right cooperation, given the right environment, the seed of God that is indestructible in you, that seed is meant to germinate, blossom, and bear fruit. What fruit? Fruit like the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's meant to become your new character. It's meant to, we need, you see, God replaced the hard drive of your computer. We need to update the software, my friends. Because the old software of the old nature is not compatible with the new hardware. Your born-again nature, your new born-again hardware, refuses to cooperate with the software of the old sinful mindset. It won't cooperate. And so you just go on living as if nothing has happened. But when you begin, and here, here we come, here we go. When you begin to become genuine about who you are and align your thoughts, your words, and your actions to that which is your deepest conviction, power will begin to be released in your life. I'm not talking about religious rules and regu regulations. I'm talking about realizing and connecting to who you are and allowing that to begin to manifest in your life. I remember one time in my life, my lifestyle, my thinking and my words were not aligned to who I really was with Christ. And there was a dissonance in my life. And, and my life was all over the place and I couldn't find peace because I was pulling this way. But deep, 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 deep down, very deep, because I'd hidden it deep, the treasure that God had placed was saying, this is not for you. This is not the way. Finally, I came to a place where I thought, there's something wrong here. 
It's all going wrong on the inside and on the outside. What's happening? And I thought, and I dug deep to the treasure buried deep within me, my new name. I dug deep and I, thought, and I looked at the word of God. I thought, do you know what? My deep convictions... This is not the Bruce that God made Bruce to be. A little bit like when the headmaster spoke to me and I went away thinking, okay, that was not me. The headmaster spoke to who I really was. And this was happening in my life. And I thought, what do I do? I thought, "Ah, it's time for me to line up my thinking, my actions and reactions, and begin to bring them, trusting the Lord and his help, back into alignment with my God nature, my born-again nature, and begin to live according to who God has made me as a Christian. Now, that's a process, but once I began to do that, I began to see that power began to be released. As I became authentic in my Christianity, as I began to put my... Christian values and beliefs, not fully, but, but increasingly, into line, I found it wasn't rules and regulations, but my true colours began in various circumstances and situations to begin to shine, both inside and out. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about maturity. We are aligning ourselves to the power that's deepest within us, the word of God, the truth of God. As we align, we find that we are putting our new nature into gear. How many know you can have a new high-powered engine in a car, but if you don't put that engine into gear with the clutch, you can rev it all you're like. You're not going to get any power to those wheels. It's the same thing. God has taken out the old clunky engine that could never drive the life that God wanted for us in any way, shape or form. He took it out, the old heart, and he put in a racing engine turbo charge. But unless we begin to connect with it and put it into gear by our choices and by our alignments, we will never feel the power of that new engine. We can rev it all day long, but it will never bring power to our wheels. My final illustration, I remember many years ago, there was a, a man, I won't give his real name, but his, man, his name was James. And uh, he was a down and out and a drunk, and he was well known in the Notting Hill area. And he used to come to the church lot. We tried to help him. He didn't want any help. And uh, the strange thing was, is that deep down inside, he was a Christian. The problem was, he was drunk all the time. He was disheveled all the time. He was, he was just a mess because of the drunkenness. He was the only Christian I knew that could speak in other tongues, swear for a minute, and then speak in other tongues again. But you see, there were moments, just fleeting moments when you were with him, fleeting moments when you could see the spark of God inside. Statements, reactions, fleeting when that rainbow would just come and go again very quickly. Well, finally, he agreed to some help. So he took him to a Christian rehabilitation center and, uh, and he began to align his beliefs, with his actions, with some help from others. You always need help from others. One day I'm walking in the foyer of the church and I pass somebody, don't really notice them, and then I hear this, hello Bruce, and I thought, was that, uh, it was such a soft word, 
Then I heard it again, hello Bruce. I turned and there was James. He had glasses on, clean shaven, bruises gone. He was dressed well. I went to speak to him. He was shy, quiet. But now I could see the full rainbow coming out of his life. All that that was obscuring it, obscuring it, in his case, it was the alcohol addiction and the dirt of that thing that I only saw glances. Now I was seeing in his life the rainbow of God coming up. Friends, it's time to become authentic. It's time to cast off the drunkenness of this world, the headiness of this world's opinion. It's time to cast off like James, the book of James says, the dirty rags of the old life that aren't who we are anymore. Don't identify with these things. And it's time to align our hearts and minds, actions and words to what we know to be true of the word of God and true in the deepest part of us. As we do that, realign, reconnect with who we are that seed is going to germinate and blossom and bear fruit that we could never imagine. This isn't external. God always works from the inside out. It's, you're a fruit tree that's waiting for the right environment to bring forth the fruit of God. You're a baby born again baby that's waiting to grow and mature to Christian adulthood. This is God's destiny for you. It will bring into your life authenticity, confidence, it will allow you to stand during the storms that can happen on the outside and the self-doubts and worries on the inside. And you, my friend, will increasingly be a rainbow, not only when the clouds come in your own heart as they do, but you will also be a rainbow to others that see how you live as a born-again Christian in the storms of life.